Joyce Tapley, as a CEO of a multi-million dollar healthcare center, is a proven thought leader on matters of public health. We created this podcast because it's time for a real discussion about the state of healthcare in our nation. Welcome to a new episode of Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley. I am your host, and I am excited about today's special guest. I have with me today State Representative Tony Rose. She is the representative for District 110 and was elected to this position in 2012. This particular district includes the diverse communities of Oak Cliff, Pleasant Grove, and Balt Springs. Representative Rose also serves on the House Committee on Appropriations, the House Committee on Calendars, the House Committee on Human Services, and is the vice chair of the House Committee on Redistricting. Representative Rose also serves on House Select Committee on Youth Health and Safety and Joint Legislative Oversight Committee on Community-Based Care Transition. I have known her since we opened up our second site back in 2014, so it's been almost 10 years. So I think at this point I can call you my friend, if that's okay. Absolutely. Welcome to the Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you extending the invitation for me to be here today. I'm very excited too. So I'm going to tell you, we've got a lot to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about your history and how you got to where you were. I also want to talk about the legislator and how that all works. I'm hoping that you can share some insight to the audience on those who may be interested in the future in going into politics. And so I think we have a lot to discuss and a lot to learn from you today. So would you like to first start out, please, by being our guide on the legislative process? There are lots of matters that we would want our listeners to hear and to get a benefit of your thinking. So I'd like for you to start out with something that baffles me as a healthcare CEO. I'd like to talk a little bit about how Texas did not expand Medicaid. Why did that happen? Why did they decide not to? And what does that mean for those who are on Medicaid or needed to be on Medicaid? What does that mean? What that mean is 1.4 million Texans who could have access to health care will not receive health care because Texas did not expand Medicaid. There is a political will, but there's not a political will amongst the leadership of the Texas legislature. This past legislative session, there were several bills filed to expand Medicaid. One particular bill received bipartisan support because, as you know, in the rural counties, they're suffering from the lack of access to health care. And so, A lot of the Republican members of the legislature were signing on to the bill because Mm -hmm. they know that it would benefit their communities. But there's not enough political will from the leadership because in the Texas House, the bill would pass because once the bill was worked by the member who carried the bill, she had over 75 signatures on the bill in order for the bill to pass. So the bill had the numbers to pass, but the will of the leadership was not there, meaning The bill did not get a hearing. Okay. The bill, you know, was not sent to the floor. The bill was not sent to the Senate. And so because the bill did not have a hearing, I may be mistaken, and it may have had a hearing, but it definitely was not voted out of committee. And it definitely didn't get to the floor. And so there's just not enough political will from the leadership. And that's why it's so important that people understand the power of voting. People say that they don't vote, but they do not understand that politics impacts every area of their lives, from the streets they drive on, from the water they drink, from the Mm -hmm. air that they breathe. Politics controls all of that. 
and people does not understand it. They don't even understand the impact of politics on health care, meaning we have the numbers in the Texas House to get it. But if we don't have the leadership roles, if Democrats are not in control to support the issues that impact our communities, I mean, we may have the numbers to get the votes done, but if we don't have the power or if we don't have the authority as it relates to leadership, Mm -hmm. we're not able to get the things done that we need for our communities. Okay, so can you explain that a little bit more? So let me just ask this question. If you're talking to somebody who's trying to decide whether or not they want to vote, even if they're a registered voter or not a registered voter, what is it that you say to them to help them understand why their vote counts as it relates to the leadership? Currently in the Texas legislature, the Republicans are in power. So therefore, they get to control the agenda. So if we have Democrats in charge or in power, then we would be able to control the agenda. Therefore, we would make sure that a bill to expand Medicaid gets to the floor and pass. And so because we don't have the political power or we're not in charge as Democrats, we don't control the agenda. And so therefore, we can't make sure that those things that we need to get done. Now, if people would vote so that we could in numbers to make sure that more Democrats are elected, therefore, we could elect a Democratic speaker who controls the agenda. One of the things I've seen that's happened, too, with the federal government at the national level, they're putting in more funding for behavioral health and mental health and uh, drug addiction, substance abuse disorders, and trying to figure out how we can minimize that. What have you all been doing at a legislative level to help support bringing more funding into the state of Texas as it relates to behavioral health and mental health? Well, the state of Texas did receive funding for mental health. In fact, a part of the American Rescue Plan Act, I was able to secure funding to build a new state mental health facility here in Dallas County. Yes, I mean, I've done some great things in the legislature, But I believe that being someone who worked in the Dallas County Jail, who was responsible for inmates going to state mental health facilities, having to deal with them, not being able to go to a mental hospital because they did not have adequate beds in order for people to go to the state hospital. And I mean, it was one of the most proudest moments in the legislature for me to be able to secure those funding. During the regular legislative session, Mm -hmm. I was able to secure about $38 in order to buy the land and to start the planning. But then when we went back for the third legislative session and the opera funds were available, I was able to get the additional funding to go ahead and build it. And so I'm very excited about that. Congratulations on that. I'm very excited. So where is this location? It's in the planning phase. And it would be, I'm not for sure on the location yet, but trust and believe I will be on it to make sure that I'm a part of every phase of the building of this facility. That's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. I'm sure many other organizations and families are going to be happy to hear that as well. One of the things I wanted to find out, too, as it relates to this mental health facility is how will it be staffed? Because in the Texas alone, there's a shortage of health care providers, psychiatrists, psychologists. And so how are we going to staff well, Joyce, that's a whole nother animal. My role was to get the hospital <laughs> built. built and let's get the funding to get it, the yeah. built, and then yeah. hey, we'll deal with that yes. when the times come. But UT Southwestern, though, they have a lot of residents mm-hmm. and, you know, they even work with Parkland Hospital in partnership with the Dallas County Jail. Right. And so I truly believe that it will be very well staffed. 
So the pipeline is being established. Yeah, yes, it that's is a wonderful. pipeline there. Yeah, because on the north end of Dallas, there are quite a few folks that people can go to. But on the south end, which is where we're really trying to see a lot more behavioral health specialists, it would be helpful for that. So I'm glad to hear that that's one of the strategies for building that pipeline for healthcare providers. Thank you for that. And I really believe it's what gives me the fuel to, you know, fight on their behalf in the Texas legislature. For one thing, you know, I knew who I was before I became elected. So when I went to the legislature, we have a state representative on my name. It's just a title. I'm just Tony. I know who I am and I whose I am. Mm-hmm. And I understand the needs of my community. So that's what gives me the strength to fight. And I tell them firsthand, a lot of times when we're having discussion on mental health or when they're talking about decreasing something or eliminating something, I know firsthand I can put a face to the person who's going to be impacted Impacted. by this because I see these people. I've worked with them and I see them daily when I go to my office every day. My offices are directly across from Dallas Metro Care. So, I mean, I see these, you know, the people on a daily basis. So I know who I'm fighting for. You know, right when COVID hit, I was in the process of working with Parkland Hospital to do town hall meetings to go over the community needs assessment. They had just, you know, completed the community needs assessment. There were two zip codes in Dallas County that if they got rid of those two, the disparities, they had more chronic illnesses than any other zip code in the county. That if they eliminated the disparities in those two zip codes, it would eliminate all the disparities in Dallas County. And both of those zip codes are in my district, actually, 75241 and 75217. Yes. And so I know that when I'm in the Texas legislature, I have to get things done or bring those resources back to the community because, you know, people's lives are really at stake. I mean, because right. you can't have all these illnesses, but then not have the access that you need to the health care to eliminate, you know, those illnesses. And for those who don't know, the Dallas Metro Care is a behavioral health Correct. organization network providing on inpatient as well as outpatient. And they don't provide inpatient, no inpatient, but people who have mental illnesses are able to go there and get the services that they need. OK, that's great. So you've been a state representative for nearly a decade now. Give us a civic lesson. What do legislators do? What do you do? What's your typical day like? And also talk a little bit about what you would say to other students that may be interested in going into legislation? The first thing that I would like to, you know, say about what is my actual day like, one of the things that people don't understand, state legislators are part-time. I mean, we're part-time legislators. The only thing that we're responsible for is passing a budget. We're elected every two years. Mm -hmm. We're only in session every odd year. Okay. And so... The only thing we're constitutionally mandated to do is to pass a budget. So technically, when we go to Austin for those six months, Mm -hmm. that is our duties. But because some of us, such as myself, represent a community that has so many needs that, you know, people call my office for everything. They contact me about their light bill. They contact me about their driver's license, which those things are appropriate. And birth certificates, because all those things have to do with the state. But I've had people to contact me about feral hogs. And the thing about it, it was really something valid because the lady called and said that there were hogs. So I told my team, well, you know, contact the animal shelter. Well, if they found out that it's the sheriff's department that you really need to contact. Oh. And they contacted the sheriff's department. 
and the sheriff department went out and what did they cap? They ended up capturing 12 feral hogs that oh. were running around in the community. Wow. But one of the things that we can't do and my staff, they know if someone contacts our office, I just don't feel that we should say, well, you need to contact the city. I feel it's our responsibility for us to contact the city and at least get them connected. And I really do believe that that helps because a lot of times when, you know, a city employee know that we're involved, we'll probably get some type of response. And that can be good and bad because one thing about it, once you start helping people, they're going to tell other people. So my office, we get calls (laughs) from people who don't even live in the district. And I tell my staff, we do have a system where you refer people to other people. And so we just can't turn people away. But typically, you know, we're part-time legislators who have actual full-time jobs outside of the legislature. But people don't realize that, like, you know, my job just happened to be flexible. But, you know, some people, the only time they go to their office is when we're in the legislative session. A lot of my colleagues, especially my Republican colleagues, they tell me all the time, people don't even contact their office for anything. They say, we have to make our work for our staff. Which is so unfortunate because in my district, where we have people who are contacting us for so many different things, my staff, we're working, working late and overtime. So a typical day is me actually doing my regular job. And then I try, since my job is flexible, you know, when people make requests such as this one, Mm -hmm. you know, which is during the day, you know, I'm able to accommodate it by, you know, being flexible with my schedule. Well, that's good to know, too. But I would imagine you've probably been reelected by the interactions that the community has had with your office, too. Yes. Because, I mean, you do have to run for re-election, right? So if if they have positive experiences, why not re-vote you? Yeah. And fortunately, I did run unopposed during the primary, and I'm unopposed during the general. And listen, and it's just not even with the uh, community. At one time, I was on the corrections committee, and we had helped, constituent had contacted our office Uh about a person, one of their family members that was incarcerated. Well, of course, we assisted and helped. And then all of a sudden, we start getting all these letters from inmates. And I'm like, I called the warden. I'm like, listen, what are y'all doing over there? Why is all these people complaining <laughs> in your prison? And he said, well, weapons in the wheel investigated. And when they called me back, he said, well, we got to, we found out what the problem is. I said, well, what is it? He said, well, someone put your name and address, posted it on the wall and said, if you really need help. Please to contact that representative Tony Rose. So I'm like, I was like, oh my God. He said, we took it down, but we can't guarantee it won't go back up. But that's still, I mean, that's a reflection of the work that you're doing for the community. And that's what's needed. It's nice to know that there are legislators that actually care, really care, and will do all that they can do. I mean, you said that some don't always answer, but I mean, if you're doing that, that's what we need. We need representation. And now we're going to go on a break. Please do not go away. We'll be back with the Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley. And our special guest is State Representative Tony Rose. Inspire Art Dallas uses advocacy, fundraising, and public events to encourage the flourishing of the City of Dallas Public Art Program and to enrich public art experiences for residents and visitors to the City of Dallas. I'm Kay Kalos, Public Art Program Manager for the City of Dallas Office of Arts and Culture. My name is- 
name is Kaya, and I'm almost a teenager. I have a real problem. My daddy and my grandfather love pie. For my daddy, it's apple. For my poppy, it's anything lemon. But they won't bring me any pie. I don't think that's fair. They always go to Judy Pie on Main Street in Grapevine, where Miss Judy and her bakers make 20 different kinds of pies and cinnamon rolls on the weekend. But I don't get any. They tell me I can have pie when I'm a teenager. Like pie is only for grown-ups or something. Can someone please call my daddy and my poppy and tell them I need pie? In the meantime, you can go to JudyPie.com or if you're in Grapevine, Texas, visit Judy Pie on Main Street. And if my daddy or my poppy are there, tell them that Kaya wants a piece of pie. Welcome back to Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley. I am your host and I have with me State Representative Tony Rose. We are talking about a lot of great information as it relates to behavioral health, mental health, and just her contributions as a legislator in the District 110. Let's talk a little bit about how you have made a great impact monetarily. I understand you have raised billions of dollars in funding to go towards various campaigns and various aspects of the communities that you're serving. Could you talk a little bit more about where some of this money has gone? You did mention the mental health facility that you're going to have built. But what else have you done and how this money has helped the communities? One of the things that I would say, this is my third legislative session on appropriations. And I actually vice chair Article 2, which is responsible for health care. And so with all the health care and rehabilitative programs for the state of Texas. But this past legislative session, I was able to secure over a billion dollars worth of funding for different projects. Wonderful. And as I stated earlier, one it being the state mental health facility funding. I've also secured money for mental health telemedicine, the Star Health Rate, which is a program that provides health care to children and youth in foster care in the foster care system. Also allocated funding for prescription drug codex. You know, the state has been directed to include prescription drugs on the Texas Drug Code Index. And so it allows patients to have access to the latest FDA-approved medications. That's wonderful. Also, part of that funding went towards the Alzheimer's program. I was able to secure a million dollars for the state health services Alzheimer's program. And the funding is to prioritize the quality of care and equitable access to best practices when caring for Texans with Alzheimer's. One of the things that I was really proud of being able to secure was additional funding for HIV and AIDS. And there was a shortfall during the interim prior to the legislative session. There was an issue where funding had been decreased and people were just taken off of the program without, you know, people were didn't have access to their medications. So we were able to battle that and to get that uh, funding reinstated. But during this past legislative session, I was able to secure an additional $36.3 million to fully fund the Texas HIV and AIDS medication program. That's great. And what people don't realize, and this is another issue that we have in District 110, we have a lot of youth who have HIV. And so I wanted to make sure that those resources were definitely within our community to make sure that, you know, we have the access to the medical care that we need. A lot of other, the funding that I uh, was able to secure was provide funding for the assisted living study, early childhood intervention. There's also the family first transition in which the funding, which was 8.9 million for services that reduced the risk of children being removed from their homes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
I was very proud of that, you know, especially being a former CPS caseworker. And it also, I also was able to secure funding to, for kinship care access. You oh, know, good. one of the problems that we have in uh, Texas, I mean, with our foster care system mm-hmm. is we have a lot of kids or a lot of family members who would like to care for their right. children, that's right. but they're just not financially able to. Yes. And so with this kinship, it extended funding where families can now, you know, play a more significant role with their family members. Excuse me for a minute. So you're saying that the funding that you brought in will actually help go towards the family members who are helping take care of Correct. their kids. That's great. That's good to know. It yeah. really is. Yeah. And so then it keeps them out of the foster care right. system. Right. Exactly. And they're, so, they're around family. That's right. Funding for reentry programs. That's another issue with them. Sometimes when I talk about my district, I kind of feel like, oh, we have so many problems, but I'm just glad to be at the table to provide solutions. That is 75216, which is a zip code in my district. Actually, the zip code that I live in have more inmates in the Texas Department of Corrections than any other zip code in the state of Texas. Didn't know that. And so I was able to secure funding for reentry programs so that when inmates who incarcerated individuals come back to the community, they are able to uh, find some type of employment or some type of training. Actually, it's training. It's a program that's been currently with the Regional Black Contractors Association. They have a, a program that teaches construction. And so they were the recipients of those fundings. I mean, this go around. I'm trying to remember everything. Uh, we You've also had a, a 988 implementation, which there's a new nationwide three-digit number, 388 for mental health crisis and suicide prevention. And so we currently have been meeting about that so the state could come up with a plan that could potentially save lives and improve the quality of life of Texans affected by mental illness. 988 would be specifically geared towards mental health services. Okay. So, And also uh, was able to get mental illness legal defense funding. You know, persons with mental illnesses, you know, we know are most likely wrongly convicted of Mm -hmm. some type of crime. So this funding is directed to specialized representation for defendants with mental illnesses in Dallas County. Okay. So and across the state so that our most vulnerable clients in the criminal justice system will have access to legal services. So. That's just some of it. I'm I'm not going to keep going all of it, but I just kind of want to, you know. Well, I'm honored once again to have you on the show because I didn't realize that you had that great of an impact on the amount of funding that comes into the state as well as the communities. That's great to know. I never knew that. I knew you were big time. I didn't know you were like that. (laughs) When I first came to the legislature, I felt like, ooh, appropriations, because that's the only thing we're mandated to do. And I always felt, you know, like, ooh, I don't want to do it. And I remember Senator West told me, I always follow the money. Yes. And yes, so I was like, oh, okay. You said that. And ever since I've, you know, been on appropriations, that's where the real impact is. That is and wonderful. So I'm just glad to be in a position to be able to bring those resources back to Dallas County. So you're making a great impact. Thank you. I Trailblazer. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. I would certainly like to thank you so much for being on Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I know we've been trying to get it done, but hey, today is the day and I'm absolutely uh, honored to be here with you. I'm so excited to be able to take some of the information that I've learned from you and share it with others. So when this podcast comes out, I'm sure you might have some more calls at your office. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll take care of them. Thank you again for being on the show. And once again, I'm Joyce Tapley with Healthcare Chat and I've had the one and only District 110 
State Representative Tony Rose. Thank you again. Thank you. And that concludes another installment of Healthcare Chat. For all upcoming and previous episodes, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hit the subscribe button and you will always be notified when a new podcast is published. Until next time, thank you again for listening to Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley. 